It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My name is Alfred Pennyworth, and I have a story to tell. Batman had trained many protégés over the years, and one of them was the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this Saturday Cartoon Alternative episode. It is July 29th. If you're listening to the day the show is uploaded, this is episode number 1,321. Right next to me is my cartoon. Jeremy, I've got one name. Hi there, I am your host, Patrick Riley. That's what I do. I go insane all the time, and the person who's sane here, that is, well, right next to me, that's Kimmy. Hello, Kimmy. Hello. And how are you on this Saturday Cartoon Alternative Day? Great. That's cool. The Riley and Kimmy show will be out and about today and tomorrow at Tampa Bay Comic Con. And follow us on social media to see exactly where we are and possibly, uh, you know, connect. And that way we can talk nerd stuff and maybe make you part of an episode. All right. And being a Saturday cartoon alternative, I thought we'd have some fun here, Kimmy, because, well, I'm sad because for so many years, Saturday mornings had cartoons. The networks actually had cartoons on them. I mean, the big guys, they they had, you know, Mm -hmm. cartoons and then they went away. You can see the entire cartoon lineup for decades. We have the entire list available right on our link page on our website. You can check that out at RileyandKimmy.com. So for fun, I thought we would do some quick cartoon trivia on the Saturday Cartoon Alternative Day. Kimmy, see if you can identify the cartoon that did air on Saturday mornings. Are you ready for your clue? Mm-hmm. Now, I realize this may be one you don't know mean meaning you didn't watch but i think you will figure out what it is you are aware of it let's put it that way especially the voice talent so here is your clue Who put the antifreeze in my carburetor? Kimmy, what is the name of that cartoon? Speed Buggy. Wrench! Wrench! Socket! Socket! Gloves! Motor! Tires! Chassis! Speed Buggy! That's me! Speed Buggy! Yeah, Speed Buggy, Kimmy got that. Did you watch Speed Buggy ever? No, I didn't. And who was the voice of Speed Buggy? 
Dawes Butler? No, that's good. Very good guess. Kimmy knows her uh, car- her cartoon voices. That is actually Mel Blanc who did the voice. Is it? Uh, yeah, he did Speed Buggy. He did the voice. Actually, he started doing car sound effects and things like that way back on the Jack Benny show. One time, they needed a sound effect for a car, Jack's car, to start. Like he had this old jalopy. And the effect they had, they actually had an effect pre-recorded on record. And the record player, the turntable was not plugged in, and it's live radio. Blank pushes a person out of the way and does a car effect, a stalling, sputtering car, which is a little bit of this you hear, on Jack Benny show, and then he was forever then the voice of Jack's car. Hmm. That's kind of how he got, I think, started doing car effects mm. and things like that. Speed Buggy, Kimmy's not one of her one of her favorites, but, you know, I kind of like Speed Buggy. All right. Although Speed Buggy drives or rides sort of like the way you drive. Yeah, you ever want to see how Kimmy is on the road, just watch Speed Buggy. By the way, you can find that entire cartoon list. It has from when they started on the networks till right when it came to an end. So you can go by, oh, what was on in 1968, what was in 1979, things like that. You can find it right on our website. We have a link list. And what is our web address, Kimmy? Rileyandkimmy.com. Rileyandkimmy.com. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? Question we have for Kimmy on this Saturday. Is she alert enough? Does she want to play nerd and pop culture trivia? That's the big question. Let's play a game. Asking Kimmy some questions from the nerd timeline that has been adjusted. It is not in chronological or linear order. You can help her get more answers right than wrong by shouting out answers to whatever computing device you're listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. It could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. Please tell your friends you found a show that is updated daily. Brand new episodes about nerdum. That's right. Pop culture things. Not just one single topic. We're all over the place. And we heavily focus on the world of retro and nostalgia. And kind of encourage them to like our Facebook page and help the show grow. So we're going to go to the nerd timeline, that adjusted timeline. It's completely out of whack, not chronological or linear. And ask Kimmy some questions on this July 29th. we got to make sure, first of all, that Kimmy is ready to go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Kimmy. Our very first question is in the category of weddings. Celebrity weddings, that is. Within one year, you have a one year plus or minus for error, Kimmy. It was on this day, England's Prince Charles and Lady Diana were married. What year was that? Ooh, 1980? Within one, Kimmy gets it. It was 1981 that that happened. Okay. It was on this date. The comic strip Dennis the Menace first appears. What decade? The 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, or 1960s? 1940s? 1938. Same time period as Superman, Dennis the Menace, appears. It was on this date. 1773. The first schoolhouse to be located west of the Allegheny Mountains was built. It was built in Ohio. 
1786, the Pittsburgh Gazette became the first newspaper west of the Alleghenies to be published. It was 1874, Major Walter Compton Winfield of England receives a patent in the United States for lawn tennis court. That's what he gets a patent for. Have you ever played lawn tennis? Mm, yeah, I think. Okay. The year is 1914. The first transcontinental telephone service was inaugurated when two people held a conversation between New York and San Francisco. That's 1914. The year is 1928. Test footage for Steamboat Willie is done, featuring what character? Who makes his appearance in Steamboat Willie? Mickey Mouse? That's correct. Give me 1928. The year is 1940. John Sigmund of St. Louis, Missouri, completed a 292-mile swim down the Mississippi River. The swim from St. Louis to Carothersville, Missouri, took him how many hours within 10 to make that swim. He swam, as we said, 292 miles. How many hours did it take him? 20? 89 hours and 48 minutes. I don't know what kind of, if he had a flotation. What took him so long? I don't know if he had a flotation device on or, you know, did he take a rest? I, I have no idea. <laughs> the year, I don't know. Or did he just float down the river? Was he actually... Going down, down with the flow, right? Yeah, yeah. He wasn't swimming against it. I, I have, no, I don't know. The year Kimmy Disney's animated adaptation of Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island is released. That will ask the decade. What decade was it? The 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, or 1970s? 50s. You're correct. 1950 is exactly when it happened. Have you ever seen that? No. The year is 1954. Publication of. Fellowship of the Ring. The first volume of Lord of the Rings by this author is published. Name the author. Tolkien. That is correct. The year is 1957. This person began hosting The Tonight Show on NBC TV. The name of the show would be changed to his name. He was host for five years. Johnny Carson would follow him. Who is he? Jack Parr. That's correct. Bonus points if you can tell me who was before Jack Parr in The Tonight Show. Steve Allen. Ooh, you're on a roll. The year is 1958. NASA was authorized by the United States Congress. Tell me what NASA stands for. I can't. National? Association? Aeronautics. Space. <laughs> Aeronautics and Space Administration. NASA. Yeah. Don't you remember the meatball? The meatball is what they call the logo. That's what it's actually called. Oh. You know, the blue with the orbit thing? You know, Kimmy's purchased the meatball before. You know what I'm talking about, the, the NASA logo. Mm -hmm. That's the meatball. Uh -huh. I would think since you've had the meatball, you would know what it kind of meant. Mm -hmm. And Kimmy's been, uh, let's see, at Kennedy Space Center quite a few times. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and she pays attention so well. Okay, moving to the next one. Kimmy, the year's 1963. Identify who recorded this hit. Here is your clue. Times must a cannonballs fly before they're forever banned. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Give me identify the recording artists. Peter, Paul, and Mary. That's right. In blowing in the wind, I bet you have that on vinyl, don't you? No. MP3? No. Okay. 
we'll we'll see what we can do about that. No. The year, the year is 1966. Bob Dylan was seriously injured when he crashed. What was he uh, in or on when he had a crash near Woodstock, New York? Motorcycle. That's right. He crashed his motorcycle, and that was near Woodstock, New York. Some say he actually changed his sound after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you think he did? Mm-hmm. Okay. The year is 1971. A security guard was stabbed to death at a Who concert in Forest Hills, New York. 1978, this song is released. Tell me the name of the song. It would be a hit. <laughs> What is the name of that song? Whenever I call you friend. Whenever I call you friend, I begin to think I understand anything you and I have ever and ever. Kimmy, who had that as a hit in 1978? Kenny Loggins. And who's the backup person with him? Who sings with him on that? Stevie Nicks. Yeah, you got that right. The year is 1980. This recording artist makes his theatrical debut when he opens in the title role of the elephant man who is he john hurt no i said musician this musician he would eventually play in the prestige as tesla david bowie that's right david bowie 1980 the year is 1981 the debut album of this group is released. See if you can identify who it is with a single of theirs. Now, the single, it didn't chart great, if you will. In the uh, Hot 100, it, it hit number 90. But the Billboard Hot Soul singles, it was number 7. And at the time when this uh, was released, the Billboard Disco Top 80 still existed, and it was number 3 on that chart. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. See if you can identify who the group is. Here's the single. What finest perfume money can buy? She's me smelling like a rose. You wonder how to do it. It's just one simple rule. I'm just cool. Who is that, Kimmy? The Time. That's right. Time Cool, the song. 1981, the Times album, well, their their debut album, Time, was released. And it was recorded, by the way, at Prince's home studio. And uh, he did a lot of uh, work on that one. Mm. It's kind of obvious if you, you, mm-hmm. you listen to it. It was on this date, 1983, Steve Garvey set the National League consecutive game record at 1,207. What team is Steve Garvey playing for at that time? The Dodgers. That's correct. The year is 1983. Friday Night Videos premieres on this network. Can you identify the network? It's one of the big three. ABC? It was NBC that had Friday Night Videos. It would run for a few years. The year is 1985. GM General Motors announces the Spring Hill, Tennessee location would be the home of the Saturn Automobile Assembly Plant. The year is 1987. Ben and Jerry... Well, they agree on a new flavored ice cream called Cherry Garcia. You know, they they agree with Cherry Garcia to have the Cherry Garcia. You ever mm. had the Cherry Garcia pe- uh, ice cream? No? Mm-mm. All right. The year is 1991. This group releases this single. It would become a big hit. Identify the group. Sleep with one eye. 
you identify who that is, Kimmy? Metallica? You metalhead. That's right. 1991 Metallica's Inter Sandman was released. The year is 2000. Actress Jennifer Aniston marries this actor. Who does she get married to? Brad Pitt. You're correct. The year is 2005. Astronomers announced that they had discovered a brand new planet, Kimmy, a new one uh, called Xena. It was larger than Pluto in orbit around the sun. In September 2006, they changed the name of Xena, which I think is kind of cool, Xena, to Eris. Eris being named for the Greek goddess of strife and discord. It's the second largest dwarf planet known in the solar system. The year is 2006. Baywatch actress Pamela Anderson marries another pop star rock star. Tell me the name of her second husband who was a rock star or is a rock star. Who does she marry? What rock star? Kid Rock. Kimmy got it right. They got married 2006. Moving to celebrity and notable birthdays. Can we identify this person? He was a news anchor. Born on this date, 1938. He would pass away 2008 at the age of 67. Here's your audio clue. Finally this evening a brief note about change. Some of you have noticed in the last several days that I was not covering the Pope. While my colleagues at ABC did a superb job, I did think a few times I was missing out. However, as some of you now know, I have learned in the last couple of days that I have lung cancer. Yes, I was a smoker until about 20 years ago, and I was weak, and I smoked over 9-11. But whatever the reason, the news does slow you down a bit. I've been reminding my colleagues today, who have all been incredibly supportive, that almost 10 million Americans are already living with cancer, and I have a lot to learn from them. And living is the key word. The National Cancer Institute says that we are survivors from the moment of diagnosis. I will continue to the broadcast. On good days, my voice will not always be like this. Certainly, it's been a long time. And I hope it goes without saying that a journalist who doesn't value deeply the audience's loyalty should be in another line of work. To be perfectly honest, I'm a little surprised at the kindness today from so many people. That's not intended as false modesty. But even I was taken aback by how far and how fast news travels. Can you identify that mystery voice there, Kimmy? Brian Williams? No. No, that's Peter Jennings. Peter Jennings. And that was his last appearance on ABC News. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He would pass mm. away 2008 at the age of 67. If you see the movie Broadcast News, there's a little bit about him in it in references with the anchor. And other side note, he was a high school dropout and he made it big time. Mm. Next individual known for documentaries, Kimmy. He, he mixes like photographs and archive footage into his documentaries. They air on PBS and other sources available DVD-wise, one of them being the Civil War 1990. Since you love baseball, you might know his Baseball 1, 1994. I recommend his Jazz in 2001. I know you've seen that one. Can you tell me the name of this director, this filmmaker? Ken Burns. Having a birthday today, he is 64. Moving to the music category, somebody having a birthday. Kimmy, identify who this person is, an American country music singer and songwriter. She did cross into the top 40 with a song. Can you identify who she is? Here's a sample from a 2003 hit. This one's for the girls. This is for all you girls about 25. He 
Can you identify who had that as a hit? This one's for the girls back in 2003. Martina McBride. That's right. How old is Martina McBride today within five years? Uh, 50. She's 51. You got that. By the way, that was a hit on U.S. Hot Country Songs, number three on Billboard. Billboard's Hot 100, it hit 39. The AC charts of Billboard, number one. And they actually had a adult top 40 chart on Billboard. It was number 32. So that's why you know that one. Hmm. Yeah, it wasn't because I worked in country music and you could identify. No, I like that song. Okay, well, we'll move to somebody else. Having a birthday today. Can we see if you can identify who this actor is having a birthday? Tell me how old he is once you identify him. Here is your audio clue. Tell me this business is brutal. To this day, I hate going on auditions. I I walk in and I can just feel them thinking, he was such a cute kid. What happened to him? (laughs) And then I don't get the job and I can never find out why. Honestly, I get so depressed. There are entire weeks that I can't even get out of bed. Can you identify that mystery birthday person? Oh, boy. Yeah, I know who it is. You know him for Star Trek, The Next Generation. He was Wesley. That's right. He played Wesley. He was also, well, that part right there, that audio sample, The Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he actually did that scene. Yeah. Can you tell me who it is? You've met him. I've met him. You fist bumped him. Yes. Who is he? Can, oh, you have a picture. You name. have his picture on the wall here I somewhere. I know it. Kimmy cannot identify who he is. Oh, my gosh. Kimmy. He, Initials? WW. Will Wheaton. That's right. Will Wheaton having a birthday today. How old is Will today within five? 40. Will is 45 today. I see dead people. Notable deaths today. Kimmy, let's see how you do with this clue. This person passed away 1890. Dutch painter... One of his paintings is Sunflowers. Starry, Starry Night's another one. Can you identify who the Dutch painter is who passed away at the age of 37, 1890 on this date? Van Gogh? Where do you think Van Gogh rates in the history of art? Well, um, big question. Um, but to me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of the world. Certainly the most popular, great painter of all time. The most beloved, his command of color, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. Yeah, a little tribute that a certain sci-fi fantasy television show did to that uh, great painter. What was the name of the TV show? Doctor Who. That's correct, Kimmy. Van Gogh died on this date, 1890. 1975, James Blish, sci-fi author, dies at the age of 54. 1983, David Niven, British actor, many, many things, film, radio, stage, one of the films Around the World at 80 Days, dies at the age of 73. The year's 2000. This American television personality passes away, Kimmy. He was part of Late Night TV. He did the Tomorrow Show on NBC. And Danny Aykroyd 
would impersonate him on Saturday Night Live. Who is he? Tom Snyder. That's correct. He dies at the age of 71 on this date in 2007. Kimmy, I think you did a fantastic job on this Saturday Cartoon Alternative Day. We're going to go back in time and honor something we spoke about, well, in trivia with the golden age of radio. Radio And that's the Riley and Kimmy Show. We mentioned David Niven passing away on this date in 1983, and we have two fantastic examples of his work in the golden age of radio. The first one we have is a time travel story, Kimmy. It's a time travel love story that transcends the centuries. All right. And it's called Barkley Square from 1949, followed by something else that's more in the um, suspense world. It's called Grand Theft from 1954, the plot to Grand Theft from 1954. Grand Theft is a story about a man who had everything going for him, but since all his dealings were illegal, it became necessary for him to move around more frequently than was usual. It's based on actually a true story, but it is a thriller episode. It is fictionalized. It's something really to check out. Great acting, great examples of the theater of the mind otherwise known as the Golden Age of Radio. Kicking things off with David Niven from 1949. Here's Barkley Square on the Riley and Kimmy Show. My name is Peter Standish. I am an American, but for many years my home has been Berkeley Square, London. I want to set down in this journal the whole incredible adventure, just as it happened to me. Some time ago, I stood in this very room talking to the American ambassador. The date I shall never forget. It was October 23rd. Well, Peter, you, you really liked London. I wouldn't live anywhere else in the world, sir. You were certainly fortunate to inherit a house like this. Yes, I am. I've hardly been out of the house for weeks. I've been going over old papers and documents. An ancestor of mine built this house in 1730. See that picture there above the fireplace? His father. Look at it. <laughs> I say, it is an amazing likeness, isn't it? You might have sat for that portrait yourself. I know. Curious, isn't it? His name was Peter Standish, too. What is this thing? It's the Crooks and Sata. That's the Egyptian symbol of life. What's it doing here? I don't know. It came with the house. Well, it's... Uh... <clears throat> Charming house. Yes, isn't it? I've been going through a lot of old letters and papers I found upstairs. Even the first Peter Standish's diary. Can you imagine how exciting it would be to change places with him? Walk the quiet streets of London in the 18th century? I'm afraid I'm a bit of a realist, Standish. But, sir, perhaps it's not impossible. Suppose you're in a boat sailing down a winding stream. A mile back, you went by a grove of maple trees, but you can't see them now. So you saw them in the past, didn't you? Well... You're watching I... a field of clover now, so, of course... That's the present. Now, just ahead of you, there's a bend in the stream. There may be wonderful things up there, but you can't see them until you get around the bend, around the bend, and into the future. Now, remember, you're in the boat. But suppose I'm up above you in a plane, looking down on it all. I can see all at once. The past, the present, and the future. Doesn't that show that all time must really be one? Real time is nothing but an idea in the mind of God. You know, Standish, you seem to be obsessed with this idea about time. 
Perhaps you ought to get away from this house for a few weeks and take a holiday someplace. According to Peter Stanish's diary, he was in love with the future just as I am with the past. He wanted to see ahead. Now, if we could change places for a time, of course, I couldn't change anything that actually happened to Peter Standish. I'd have to do exactly what he did. Oh, but it's a fantastic notion. Here's his diary. I know every word of it. Almost 200 years ago, Peter Standish took a trip from New York to England. The trip took 27 days in a ship called the General Wolf. He then married the eldest Pettigrew girl, Kate, in this very house. The betrothal was arranged before they met. They had children who died here. And there was a younger sister, Helen. And look here. There's even something about a cashmere shawl that Helen's aunt in the country centre just before Peter came over. Mm. I have minute details about everything, even the letter Pete, Peter wrote to Lady Anne, the girl's mother, telling them that he would arrive at Berkeley Square on October the 23rd, 1784. October the 23rd? Well, that's today. Yes. And the paper's yellow. The ink faded. But back in that other time, Lady Anne... You're just reading that letter now. Listen, it was raining then, too. Standish, I, uh, I'm rather late for an appointment, sir. Uh, why don't we have dinner some night soon? If hmm? I can. Good afternoon, sir. It was nice of you to drop by. And remember, Standish, what I said about a holiday. At last, I was alone in the room. The firelight flickered on the ceiling and touched the face in the portrait to a warm, living glow. The past was alive in that room, and I knew it. There was a sudden crack of thunder, and the lights went out, and for a moment, I thought I heard a coach on cobblestones, and then <laughs> I felt a little foolish. Cobblestones, why, they'd had wood blocks for ages in Berkeley Square. But the sound came louder. It came closer through the storm. A coach had stopped in front of the house. In a second, I heard the knocker. I went slowly to the front door. There was no one there. I turned from the door, closing it behind me, and as I turned... My hand touched my sleeve and touched satin. And then, coming down the staircase, I saw a woman in hooped skirts carrying a lighted candelabra. Good evening, Cousin Peter. I thought I heard someone at the door. Oh, forgive me, you are my cousin, Peter Standish, newly arrived from America, are you not? I looked down. I was dressed in the clothes of the 18th century. I stared at the woman, my heart pounding. The change had been made. Peter Standish and I had changed centuries. We had your note that you'd arrived in London, cousin. I'm Kate, sir. Pray come into the library. My mother and my sister and my brother are all anxious to bid you welcome. Kate, is it Mr. Standish? Yes, mother. Well, well, cousin Peter, what a delight to see you at last. Kate has been all of a flutter about it for weeks. This is my other daughter, Helen. How do you do, Cousin Peter? Cousin Helen. And this is your cousin, Tom. I'm glad to see you, sir. Pleasure. We're so happy, cousin, that you arrived in time for Helen's birthday ball. Of course. Helen's birthday. Helen, did you like the cashmere shawl your aunt sent you? Cashmere shawl? Is there a shawl in that parcel? I haven't opened it yet. Well, aren't you clever? It is a shawl. My sister wrote me about it. How could you 
possibly know that, cousin? Well, I... I didn't really. It was only a guess. I... I, I had rather a tiresome headache. I suppose it was the trip. Oh, well, come then. We'll show you to your room. Dinner will be ready very soon. Come. Oh, Helen. Pardon the intrusion, Peter. Mother thought I should ask you if you would like a compress for your head. No, it's better, thank you. We hope you'll be happy in London. Oh, I'm very excited about it. I was just standing at the window looking out and thinking about it. Somewhere across town, Boswell is listening at Dr. Johnson's elbow. Sheridan is writing The School for Scandal. The what? <laughs> it's a play. Haven't you read about it? No, I haven't. Cousin Peter, how did you know about my shawl? Oh, please don't ask me any more about the confounded thing. If you wish. You'll help me out here, won't you, Helen? How can I help you, Cousin? It's all so strange, England, London. I feel like a fish out of water. Yes, sir. Anything strange or wrong about me? Strange or wrong? I am an American, you know, and this is a, a new world to me. No, of course not. You'll soon get used to our ways, cousin. And Kate will soon put you at your ease. I do hope you and my sister will be very happy. I'll see you at dinner, cousin. Helen? Yes, Peter? You're okay. Okay? <laughs> That's just a New York expression. Good evening, Helen. Good evening, Cousin Peter. And so I, Peter Standish of the 20th century, entered the parlors, the taverns, the museums, the studios of the 18th century. Helen was at my side constantly, but after the first few days, Kate seemed to avoid me whenever possible, even at Helen's birthday ball. Wasn't this to be my dance? Yes, but I have a headache. I don't feel quite up to dancing just now. Well, then, let's go outside on the balcony for a breath of air. Well, I... I really shouldn't. I... I wanted to see Mother a moment. I... Just for a moment, Kate. Go. Let's go out here. Kate, what's the matter? You've been avoiding me all evening. Have I? Well, you certainly have not been avoiding my sister. Well, don't tell me you're jealous. You don't need to be, you know. No. I'm far from jealous of you, Peter Standish. You're not letting gossip upset you. I know what people are saying about me, and it's ridiculous. Yes. You know what people are saying. And you know what I'm thinking now. You always know. You know what is going to happen next. No, Kate, no. Not in the way you think. And I... I thought I loved you. You mustn't talk like that. Why, my dear, we're going to be married. Married? Do you think I'd marry you and I must force myself to remain alone with you? Everyone sees it but Helen. There's something that's... that's not human about you. Kate, you can't break our engagement. You didn't do that. You can't do that. Oh, I can't do that. So you think there are no limits to what a wizard can do with a woman? I was never so afraid of anything in my life as I am of you... And you think you can make me marry you? When I fear you as I fear the devil. I leave London in the morning and I'll not return while you're in this house. In heaven's name, go back to America if that's where you come from. Peter. 
Please, you come and dance with me. You're not afraid of me, Helen. You're not afraid to dance with me. How can you be afraid of someone you feel about the way I feel about you? Of course I want to dance with you, Peter. Oh, Helen. Helen! In a moment, James Hilton will return to present the second act of Barclay Square, starring David Niven. And now we present Act Two of John Balderston's Barclay Square, starring David Niven. After the ball, I paced back and forth in the library, trying to think what to do about Kate. She had to marry Peter Standish. It had happened. Nothing could be changed that had happened in the past. Peter, it's very late. Oh, Helen. I heard you walking up and down. Sound carries so in this house. You must get some sleep. I can't sleep. You're worried about Kate, aren't you? Well, don't be. I'm sure she'll feel differently when she returns. Peter, tell me how you can know things you couldn't know. Helen, I don't know if I can make you understand. Can you see ahead just a day or two or or months and years? Many months and many years. I love life so. I want to see ahead. I want to know about the future. So you're in love with the future, just as I was in love with the... Oh, it's better just to dream about what's ahead than really to know. No, no. Tell me, please tell me about the future. There aren't any words to make you understand. You say there aren't any words because these things must must come to your mind in visions, Peter. But I think I could see them too, through your eyes. Oh, look at me, Peter. Look at me. All right, Helen. If you want to see the future. If you want to see the future. Yes, it's exciting and it's terrifying. But it's a challenge. It's adventure. It's progress. Oh, if I could only make you see some of the things I've seen. I'll talk to Kate. I'll tell her I've shared your vision. And that she has nothing to fear from me. Helen, I'm not in love with Kate. Oh, Peter, I've loved you. Before I ever saw you. In my first dream of you. Coming from somewhere far away to meet me. Oh, Helen. Helen, I can't play a part anymore. I'm myself, you see. I'm myself. And I'm muddling everything up. This isn't possible. I come to you from somewhere else. Oh, Peter, take me away with you. Take me back wherever you came from. Helen, I can't. I can't. You see, I come from that world you saw in my eyes. 
The future? Yes. I believe you. It's incredible, but I believe you. Peter. Oh, Peter, you won't go back. You won't leave me. No, never. I'll never leave you. So you've come back from Butler. Well, let me tell you something. Your Mr. Standish has asked for Helen's hand in marriage. What do you think of that? Mother, I'd rather see Helen dead than the wife of Peter Standish. Not another word like that, miss. Be still, Kate. You can be heard all over the house. Tom, do you want to see your sister eternally damned? Now, now, there's no need for hysteria, Kate. Oh, Kate, I'm glad to see you home again. Kate, dear. Mr. Standish, when you came into this house... Did you come from America? Kate, you're being very rude. Go to your room at once. I'll not go until I've had my answer. Your answer is? Yes, I do come from America. Mr. Standish, I made a list of ten of the phrases you said were common in New York. On my way home, I stopped to see the American minister. He had never heard of one of the ten. So you see, those words are not used in America. They are not used in England. The devils use them in hell. Kate, Peter Standish came from New York in the General Wolf. His body stands there. But what have you done with him? Kate, have you taken complete leave of your senses? Pray forgive her, Cousin Peter. In the old days, he'd have been burned at the stake. We'll manage her somehow, Cousin Peter. I'll drag her upstairs, ma'am. No. You, Kate, you may be a fool, but you're trying in your own silly way to help Helen now, and I love you for it. But as for you, Lady Anne, I've seen you in Sheridan's plays. I've read you in Jane Austen's novels. You know what you want, and you plow straight ahead over everything and through everything like a tank lumbering through the mud. Do you hear that, Kate? Like a tank. Go to the American legation and ask Charles Francis Adams what tank means. No, it's not Charles Francis Adams. It's John Adams, second president of the United States. Charles Adams won't be born until the Civil War in 1861. Peter, Peter. Oh, what's one more blunder among so many? Your Peter Standish came from New York to Plymouth in the General Wolfe. This Peter Standish flew from New York to Plymouth. You fiend from hell. What do I care about you? You're all over and done with. You're all dead. You've all rotted in your graves. You're all ghosts. That's what you are. You're all ghosts. Come, Kate. Come, Tom. Helen, come quickly. We'll call a physician. He's out of his... I'll get the doctor. I... I thought I was in love with the past. My dear. My dear. Oh, Helen. I knew eventually it must happen. Each night I've said he must go back. Each morning we'd make some new plan together, and I think... Oh, let me have just one more day. No. No, I'm going to stay here with you. Oh, Peter, my life, my London are nightmares to you. Don't be sad. Think. We two alone have been chosen for this miracle out of all the millions of lovers since time began. And it is a miracle. Think of what has been given us. Not of what is taken away. Nothing can be taken away. That we came together as we did proves that we were not meant to lose each other. Yes, yes. And we shall be together always, Peter. Not in my time. Nor in yours. But in God. If I go, then he will be here in my place, in my body. How can you bear that? Love will give me strength. You've your life to live out in the future, Peter. And in my life, as I grow old, your youth will seem to me eternal youth. Well, you will come, won't you? Young, as I see you now. To my grave in St. Mark's churchyard. To you, that will be tomorrow. And yet it will be generations after I'm dead. I'll ask for a stone with the letters cut deep. 
so they won't wear away before you come to me. Oh, darling, darling. I love you now. I shall love you in my time and in whatever times may come. Oh, if you could only take back with you just one thing that was mine. Oh, wait. Here's something Father got for me before he died when he was with the fleet in Egypt. The crook sensata. The symbol of life of eternity. And that's why I've loved it so. Helen, this was mine. Long ago. Yours, long ago. It was standing over there when I first entered this room in... in the future. And, and this little thing has crossed the great darkness between us. Mine while I live. Yours in that world I shall never see. This is our parting, Peter. Helen. Oh, Helen, my darling. Goodbye, Peter. She picked up the candelabra and walked out of the library with it. The room was in darkness. My hand brushed my sleeve and touched something rough. Lights blazed on. I looked down. I was dressed in tweeds again. The adventure was at an end. And I, Peter Standish, was back in the 20th century. I left the house then and walked to St. Mark's churchyard. lies in the confident hope of the blessed resurrection and life eternal, Helen Pettigrew, beloved younger daughter of Sir William Pettigrew and the Lady Anne Pettigrew, who departed this life June the 15th, 1787, aged 23 years. Barclay Square to write the whole incredible adventure down on the pages of this journal. There only remains to write these lines. Helen, my dear, I've seen your shadow on the stairs. I've seen your hand rest on this desk. I've seen you sitting by that window and you'll always be close to me in this house. You'll always be the living, beautiful soul of this house. And I know that we shall be together, not in your time, not in mine, but in God's. Tune in 
half hour earlier and listen to The Adventures of Casey, crime photographer, followed by the Hallmark Playhouse. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Now, Mr. David Niven in Grand Theft, hoping once again to keep you in suspense. Here's how it works. You appraise things. You stroll through a house, take your notes, make your calculations, and eventually you come up with some interesting figures on which they pay you. Of course, it's interesting work. And if one is resourceful and competent and ambitious when no one is looking, one might turn out to be wealthy. Oh, oh, there you are, Mr. Bentley. Oh, I was afraid you might get away. Oh, no, my dear Mrs. Payne, just waiting to say goodbye to you. Oh, Mr. Bentley. Oh, Mrs. Payne. Well, I'm glad you did wait to say goodbye. I feel I've really come to know you these last three days while you've been on our home appraising all of our goods. And I to know you, dear Mrs. Payne. I really must hurry now. My plane leaves in an hour. Uh, Mr. Bentley, I know you've seen many lovely homes in your line of work. Uh, uh, What do you think of ours? Oh, one of the loveliest I've ever seen. No, truly, Mrs. Payne. Uh, Did did the insurance company ask you to appraise the jewellery, too? No, no, they didn't, Mrs. Payne. Oh, oh, dear. Well, we had such a delightful chat while you were here, and I do feel I know you. You did see my bracelet, the platinum one at dinner last night? Oh, I couldn't help but notice it, Mrs. Payne. Uh, well, it's a matter of curiosity, and I, I know you do have this knowledge. What do you think Roger paid for it? Well, not a cent under $5,000. Oh, then he does love me. <laughs> Be most assured of that, Mrs. Payne. Oh, I really must go now. Uh, well, whenever you're in Denver again, call us, won't you? <laughs> Won't you, Mr. Bentley? Of course I will. Goodbye, Mrs. Payne. You say goodbye. You take a cab to the airport, get on an aeroplane, and try to forget her fat face on the way to New York. However, once there, in a little pawn shop you know of on 3rd Street, that face looms before you just for one painful second. Hi, Ben. Hi. Well, what you got this time... Let's see. Hmm, platinum, eh? So I understand. What's your price? Give you 1500 for the thing. Take it or leave it. <laughs> what? You didn't love her enough. I'll take it. But that way is very small stuff. Cheesecake instead of caviar, if you will. No, one must broaden one's horizons, enlarge one's activities, launch into greater, more productive fields. In short, one must never be satisfied with $1,500. That would be decadent. Well, punctual as usual. Oh, I always like to make my little visits on time, Maud. I love you. <laughs> And uh, how is your dear old grandmother today? Hmm? Is she comfortable? She's as good as can be expected. When do we get the money? Soon. Very soon. Now, don't be impatient. I'm going to speak to the insurance adjuster later on today. But first, I'd like to speak to Mrs. Mullins seriously. She'll be the key person in this situation. Ben, wait. What? You and I, Ben, we're two of a kind, but grandmother's not like us, and she doesn't know about us. I... 
All I want to do is just get enough money to get out of here and get married and go to Paris and forget everything. So do I, my dear. Well, whatever we do, I mean, does she have to be involved? Mm, only in a small way, love. She's old, Ben. She's never done anything wrong in her whole life. Look, when you talk to her, be gentle. For some reason, she thinks the sun rises on your shoulders. Why, I don't know. Well, your granny is a woman of supreme taste. You might as well come along. Oh, a terrible house. Ghastly knickknacks. It's all she has left in her life. These things, her memories. Too bad she doesn't have any money any longer. She broke her glasses yesterday. They're being fixed. You have a visitor, Grandmother. Mrs. Mullen? Mrs. Mullen? Ah, uh, Granny, Granny dear, good morning. Ben, it's a wonderful morning, Ben. Yes, it is, dear. Have you been enjoying yourself? You're looking well. Oh, Ben, it's such a lovely morning. Dear, I've uh, something to talk to you about. Will you listen carefully, dear? Ben, be gentle. Sometimes she'll answer, sometimes she won't, but she hears you. What is it, Ben? Now, I want you to be a very good girl and do as I ask you, dear. Y yes, Ben. Sooner or later, possibly before the end of this week, a man will call on you. Yes? Now, I don't know his name, but he will represent an insurance company. Now, he will ask you certain questions about some family jewellery. Do you remember about the family jewellery? Do you remember what I told you about the family jewellery, Mrs. Mullen? Granny? Yes, I remember, Ben. What did I tell you? Um... Maud's grandfather gave it to me. Then I gave it to Maud when she was 21, and she's had it ever since, uh, until it was stolen from her. Very good, dear, very, very good. And that is exactly what you will tell this man when he comes here. He'll ask you all about it. Yes, Ben. What's this all about? I thought the claim was all right. Oh, it's just that I'm going to stir things up a bit. An insurance adjuster's bound to get here in the next day or two. He'll talk to you, too, Maud. You know what to tell him. Ben, are we going to get in trouble? Shh. Now, no one's going to get into any trouble as long as dear old Granny does what she's told. Ben, dear. Yes, Granny, dear? There never was any jewellery in this family, Ben. Never. I've never told a lie, Ben. Never in my life. You just say what I told you to say, dear, and everything will be fine. You judge the picture of an old woman who never lied, and you wonder about it. But you feel that the larger game, the promise of it, the Paris of it, the unutterable delight of being financially exhilarated, demands that you continue the action. So you make a phone call to a certain insurance company, then you go home and await developments. I uh, believe you called Great Atlantic Underwriters yesterday about a claim. I did. The people who made it uh, asked me to find out what's delaying the matter. I'm from Allied Adjustment Bureau, Mr. Bentley. Great Atlantic turned it over to me. My name's Coombs. I'm happy to know you, Mr. Mr. Coombs. Come in. Oh, thank you. I uh, just took a chance and thought I'd drop by this morning. I'd like to ask you some questions about the claim, if I may. Party name of Mullen, uh, Maud Mullen? Yes, Look, I'm uh, just getting ready for an appointment. I don't want to be late. Oh, be all right with me if you want to go on dressing while we're talking, Mr. Bentley. Well, it would be nice to get this settled for Miss Mullen. Yes. <clears throat> oh, I, uh, I see you paint. No, no, I don't paint, Mr. Coombs. Other people paint. I just collect paintings. Oh. <laughs> the 
pursuit of art is a natural activity with me. Paintings or any other work that I can put in my home. Anything to remind me that man is creative and not destructive. Ah. Now, let's see if I have all this right. Uh, Chalmers Bentley, B-E-N-T-L-E-Y, uh, uh, no initial? No. And uh, you're an appraiser, Mr. Bentley? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, how about now? Are you uh, with anybody now? No. No, different insurance companies call on me at different times to make appraisals. No, we're in the same business, Mr. Coombs. Different ends, of course. <laughs> I appraise fine objets d'art, uh, household furnishings, jewellery, and, well, Mr. Coombs, all of those things upon which the ordinary person would have no idea how to place a price. Does that answer you? Yes. Uh, uh, do you work in New York all the time? Most of the time. But, of course, I have to travel and sometimes even live away from here, wherever my work takes me. You uh, have any family here? No. What's on your mind? Is there something wrong with the uh, Mullen claim? Uh, you uh, reported the burglary for these people six weeks ago. You claimed that Maud Mullen was robbed of $18,000 worth of family jewelry, which you had assessed. The claim for the loss was filed three days later by you. And it should have been signed, sealed, and paid off by now, don't you think, Mr. Coombs? Well, ordinarily, it would have been paid by now, Mr. Bentley. Um, if I wore a tweed, do you think I could get by without a top coat? Oh, I think so. It's quite warm outside. Mm, I get so tired wearing a coat every time I go out, Mr. Coombs, don't you? <laughs> Excuse me. Now, what's holding up the claim? Uh, well, uh, several things. First, the burglary they reported. The police found no evidence of a forced entry in that old house of theirs. Oh, I know all that. But then I'm not a policeman. I'm not the burglar. And it wasn't my jewellery that was stolen. I can't very well tell the police where to find the evidence. Now, can I, Mr. Coombs? Well, it's a point to consider, Mr. Bentley, and you did file the claim for them. Oh, just as a favor. You keep mentioning that. There's uh, another point, too. I don't understand why they put a button in the back of some of these shirts. Can, can you get it for me, Mr. Coombs? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, now, as I understand it, uh, that jury had been in the Mullen family some 60 years, but in all that time, it had never been insured. Now, they take out a policy three months ago, and just a month after your assessment, the jewelry's stolen. That strike you as something for us to look into, Mr. Bentley? No, no, not at all. Oh, thank you. Oh, of course. Uh, why didn't they insure it before, Mr. Bentley? No, I don't know. I have no way of knowing. I see. Were you in Denver last month? Yes. Why? Appraise some things in the house of a family named uh, Payne. Payne. Yes, I believe that was their name. Yes. Did you know that uh, two days after you left, Mrs. Payne discovered a platinum bracelet missing? No, I didn't know. Well, I know. Uh, one of the companies I represent held the policy. Mr. Coombs, this has the flavor of an intimidating conversation. Why do you mention the incident in Denver? It has nothing to do with the claim of the Mullen family? Well, in a way it has, but I won't go into that right now. Oh. Mostly that's why the payment's been held up. We just want to look into it a little more. Mr. Coombs. Uh, yeah. I know you have your little task to perform, and the very nature of your work requires you to suspicion everyone and everything. However, I appraised the jewellery in the Mullen home. I saw something of the circumstances there. They asked me to file a claim for them. When I tell them what you've just told me, perhaps they'll ask me to notify the insurance commissioner. Well, of course you can do that for them, Mr. Bentley. That's what the insurance commissioner is there for. But uh, I I'll tell you what they'll be up against... We aren't convinced there was a burglary. And we aren't sure there was ever that much jewelry in the Mullen family. And if there was, and you assessed it, Mr. Bentley, uh, we aren't so sure that something like what happened to Mrs. Payne's platinum bracelet uh, didn't happen to their stuff. Well, that's how it is. Goodbye, Mr. Bentley. 
Goodbye, Mr. Coombs. Autolite is bringing you Mr. David Niven in Grand Theft, a story based on fact. Tonight's presentation in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Mr. David Niven in Elliot Lewis's presentation of Grand Theft a story based on fact and well-calculated to keep you in suspense. When one's problems become complex, one must rely on experience to carry one through. A suspicious insurance investigator can only operate on single-track theories. A resourceful insurance appraiser is quite aware of these methods and therefore regards them in the proper light. Naturally, one must be practical and bend all efforts to know where one stands. Ben. Well, Maud. I've been waiting for you, Ben. Mr. Coombs was at the house. Of course. He was here yesterday afternoon. I tried to call you to tell you about it, but you weren't in. He spent an hour with Grandmother talking to her. What did he ask her? What did she say? I don't know, Ben. You know how she is sometimes. She just won't talk to anybody, no matter what you ask her. Where were you? That's just it. I told him she was ill and might not understand him, but he insisted on talking to her alone. There was nothing I could do. It would have looked bad if I... I've got to find out what she told him. Wait. No, not now. Something's happened to her. Right after Mr. Coombs left. Some sort of shock. The doctor doesn't know what it is. Wait till tonight. Maybe she'll be better then. No, Ben... Let go. I said I have to see her. Mrs. Mullen? Mrs. Mullen? Granny? Ben. That's right, Granny. It's me. I want to ask you something, dear. It's um, important or I wouldn't have disturbed you. Is it a nice day, Ben? Oh, lovely day, dear. Lovely. Mr. Coombs spoke to you yesterday afternoon about that little matter. Do you remember? Do you remember Mr. Coombs, Granny? Granny, tell me, did... Uh, what did he ask you? What did he say? Mr. Coombs? Oh, Ben, he was very, very nice. He smoked a pipe, like Maud's grandfather. I, I told him all about the jewellery, the brooch, and the ring, and, uh, and the necklace. I, I told him he had been in the family 60 years, Ben, and that I gave it to Maud when she was 21. Is that right, Ben? Granny, that's exactly right, dear. Did he ask you anything else? Did you tell him anything else? That was all, Ben. That was all. Mm, now, you go back to sleep, dear. Sorry to have disturbed you. Ben? Yes, dear? There never was any jewellery in this family, Ben. Never. Of course there was, Granny. Didn't you tell Mr. Coombs all about it? Y yes. I told him... But, oh, Ben, I'm an old woman, and I shouldn't have lied. No, don't you worry, it's all right. <laughs> Maud? Well? 
Everything's all right. What? I'm telling you, we're in business. Paris and all. Pack your things. Well, wait, Ben. How is she? Your grandmother. Oh, my dear girl. We don't have to worry about her anymore. We'll put her in a nice home. Now, pack and smile. You sure we'll get the money on the claim? I'm going over to get it now. Now, you finish it off. Of course, there never was any jewellery, even though I assessed some. And there never was any theft, even though one was reported. However, there was a claim that in any adjuster's eyes would, on the evidence of it, appear to be absolutely legitimate. Oh, glad you came by, Mr. Bentley. I was going to phone you. This will save time. That is precisely why I'm here, Mr. Coombs, to save time. When will the Mullins receive their money? Well, I'm afraid that's something I can't answer, Mr. Bentley. Mr. Coombs, a valid claim has been placed with the company you represent. I'm sorry they have so many reservations about honouring it. However, I know something of the workings of insurance companies. I know that you, not the company, are holding it up. That's quite right. Why? I understand that you had the effrontery to call on that poor, sick old lady. Hmm. Wonderful person. I doubt if many people call on her nowadays. Most of her friends must be dead by now. I'll tell you why I'm here. Miss Mullen asked me to come. She wants her $18,000, Mr. Coombs. The policy was written. The money is owed. Now, where My is grandmother it? made a sworn statement. All checks out there. Oh, you're satisfied then. Mr. Bentley, I want to tell you something. Now, this is off the record. It's just between you and me. Now, when I was at your apartment the other day, I couldn't help noticing uh, the stuff on the wall. And I, uh, I just asked around. You know, some of those paintings in your place are worth two, or $3,000. That's a lot of money. Even for a man who gets paid as high as you do. Now, uh, what am I leading up to? Well, just this. Uh, not only the Denver thing, but you worked a case in Dayton, Ohio, a year and a half ago. Pray some things for, a, for Midwestern indemnity at the home of some people named Vansing. Do you remember Vansing? Now, two days after you'd done your work, the Vansings found out that a diamond ring worth $8,500 was missing from their house. I see. No, here. Just, uh, let me go on. A uh, similar thing happened in Omaha three years ago. family named Van Cleve reported 6000 worth of jewelry missing happened that you appraised their household goods just a week before. Now, uh, here's one from San Francisco, and there's another one from St. Paul. Uh, you see? You talk as though you expected to find stolen jewelry hanging on the walls of my apartment. No, no, but jewelry can be turned into money to buy paintings, can't it? Oh, none of these things are any of my business. Even those nice paintings hanging in your apartment are none of my business. I have nothing at all to do with these people and their $18,000 claim with us. Now, as you said, Mr. Coombs, all of this has nothing to do with their claim. They want their $18,000, Mr. Coombs. They want it within 24 hours. Do you understand? Well, that's pretty clear, Mr. Bentley. But you can tell them they're going to be disappointed. You see, it's out of my hands. What? I turned the matter over to the federal district court. I've asked them to find the insurance company not liable under the policy. But it take weeks for a hearing. Well, I'm afraid so. And if the court decides against them, Mr. Bentley, the grand jury will have grounds to indict you for an attempted insurance fraud. Oh, oh, that's a, that's a pretty rough thing to beat. But, now, if I had a statement from you right now, we might consider withdrawing from the court and letting the entire matter drop. I see. Well, what do you say, Mr. Bentley? Do you, uh, Want to make that statement and clear all this up? Mr. Coombs, I'm due on Long Island at 2 o'clock, an appraisal job for Eastern States underwriters. They called me this morning. I'm late now. Mm -hmm. Then you don't want to make the statement. Mr. Coombs, I, I simply wouldn't know what to say. 
really do know what to say, but under the circumstances it would be inadvisable to confide it to Mr. Coombs. Two words suffice. Get out. What had looked good and promising and Parisian had suddenly turned into an ugly accusation of theft, which was not the case, but which did definitely close the door on $18,000. So, one more crack at the old game, and if you have to, Paris alone. Uh, would you care for tea or a drink? Uh, Mrs. Prescott, I'm in rather a hurry. Thank you. Some other time. Oh, you've been so efficient, going from room to room, wandering all over the house. I'll just wager not one single object escaped your eye. Oh, uh, did you happen to notice my daughter's diamond earrings? Aren't they lovely? Her graduation present. Earrings? Oh, oh yes. Oh, lovely. Yes. Yes, I believe I did notice them. You see, we do have to be very thorough, Mrs. Prescott. You understand that? No, oh, of course, of course. Uh, tell me, Mr. Bentley, uh, did you see my son's bedroom? Yes, I believe so. Second door to the right top of the landing. Uh, yes. Um, did you happen to see that little uh, jade vase? The jade vase? Oh, yes. Uh, Mr. Bentley, I, I know this is asking for information that should come officially from the insurance company, but uh, what is it worth? Forty dollars. Forty dollars? Oh, dear, and I thought it was worth thousands. I bought it in Hong Kong. What did you pay for it? Forty dollars. <laughs> Just goes to show you. Are you sure you won't have any tea or something? Uh, quite sure. If you'll excuse me. Good day, Mrs. Prescott. Uh, good day, Mr. Bentley. I do hope you'll come back again someday. I want to talk to you about your work. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello? Huh? Mr. Bentley, this is Detective Ivers. Central Division, Mr. Bentley. What is this? Mr. Coombs, have you lost your mind? Your full name, Chalmers Bentley? Well, of course it is. He knows that. Say, I understand your occupation is appraising, that right? It certainly is. Now, I have a Just question. Just a minute. I'd like to see that briefcase, Mr. Bentley. What? Sorry. I'll put it all back. You're behind this, Coombs. I bet you think what'll happen when I call my attorneys. Uh, it's just a little idea, Mr. Bentley. I, I had to risk it. Nothing in here. Nothing but a day's work, all unassorted, thanks to you. Sorry. Mind standing still? I certainly do. Now, take your hands off me. I've got authority to search your person, Mr. Bentley. It'll be done sooner or later. What are you looking for, a gun or something? We have reason to believe you've taken some jewelry from this home. That's why I looked over the briefcase. That's why I have to search you. <sighs> Empty your pockets. In the hat. Hold still. Nothing. Hmm. Can you finish it downtown? Now, see here. I've been subjected to All just right, about enough of this. All right, it's not a necklace or a bracelet. We'd have found it by now. It's something smaller, a ring or a pin, or maybe you just pulled something out of a set. But it's on you somewhere, in your shoe or taped under your arm or somewhere. Come on, now, what did you take this time? Diamond earrings. Where are they? Here, right under my belt. This would have paid for my passage to Paris. You're very good at your job, Mr. Coombs. From an expert, that's a real compliment. Okay, let's get in the car. Wait, Mr. Coombs. Mm hmm? How did you find out? Why, um, I talked to your girlfriend's grandmother. Oh, I don't understand. I wanted you to talk to her. She was my ace. Oh, she told us the right story, Bentley. Uh, your story. <laughs> it broke that old lady's heart to lie. It just broke it. That's how we found out. I'll bet that old lady never told a lie in her whole life before. Why? <laughs> 
A two-year-old kid would have known she was lying. Yes, I should have thought of that. You never can trust these beginners. Should have worn my top coat. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R I L E Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.